Good morning. We are wrapping up this morning our Questions for Jesus series, where we've basically been looking at some of the major questions that um, people have about Christ, following Him, and about Christianity. And today, we're tackling uh, a question that really runs deep in us. It may be Maybe the mother of all questions in the sense that it, it gets a lot of the other questions going. Um, and it's one that mankind's been trying to figure out for, for thousands of years. Simply put, the question is, why doesn't God put an end to evil and suffering? Uh, this is a question that we ask maybe when we get in touch with hurting out there, but it really comes to mind when we're we're hurting ourselves, when we're dealing with some kind of pain. Why does it have to be this way? Uh, within the last couple of years, Cindy, my wife, she they discovered the doctor discovered a squamous cell carcinoma on her eyelid. And just thinking about that operation hurt me. I'm I'm kind of a wimp when it comes to those kinds of things and uh but you, you know, when you face something like that, very scary operation from my perspective. The doctor looked like he was 25. Okay, so I had to ask him how many of these he had done. And turns out he's 45. He's done hundreds of these things. So it was kind of normal to him. Uh, and she's doing well now, but when you discover something like that, it, 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 really, it really gets to you. It shakes you. And, you know, watching my parents pass away, we took care of my parents, both my mom and dad, for five years. And these are people that I love, who, you know, really loved me, sometimes too much. (laughs) But uh, it's very hard to watch your parents wither. And pass away and go through the pain. That's that's generally how it is at the end. Very very difficult. And so the question comes up: Why why does it have to be this way? And last year, uh, Melissa Camargo passed away. Member part of our congregation, young lady of fifteen, very bright, promising young lady, and. We walked through the, with the Camargos, her, her passing, and that really hurts. So when we deal with things like this, that question screams at us from the inside. Why does it have to be like this? Why couldn't it be some other way? This Right here in these moments is when we need perspective, we need hope, we need confidence in God. And we shake, but we need some foundation to fall back on. And, and thankfully we'll find it. What we're going to do is look at Jesus' words related to these questions, uh, to this question particularly in a few moments. We're going to look at his words, but it's what he did that speaks the loudest. And we're going to look at what he did in a little bit. We'll dig into it. 
The problem of evil impacts us on two levels. There's actually two layers. The first one is intellectual. I mean, in our mind, we're dealing with this, how could a good God allow evil to exist in the world? And so we're, you know, at at an intellectual level trying to figure that out. How how does that work? How, How could this good God allow evil and suffering? to exist. It's it's hard to work out in our mind and we struggle with it there. A loving God seems like would put an end to evil and suffering in the world, wouldn't he? <laughs> um, second, it impacts us on another layer and a deeper layer, and this is the one that really gets to us. Uh, it's the emotional level. Why does he allow me to suffer? Why does he allow the people close to me to suffer? Why Why do we have to go through this? It just It just doesn't feel like a loving God would allow me to go through the hard things that we do, or anyone really. Why, why does God allow this to go on? It, it just seems like he'd make life easier <laughs> uh, than it is. Um, so these, these are the layers that we experience this question at, uh, intellectually, in our mind, and emotionally. And before we look at Jesus' answer to the question, what he said about it, uh, I want to step back, and I will look at, just answer a couple of general questions that I think will really help us get our minds around what we're talking about. First of all, what is good and evil? We, we need to think about this before we dig in and start answering the question. Good is simply that which brings favorable things. We don't have a problem with that, do we? I mean, hey, I'm all for that. I'm all for the good. Uh, We all want good stuff to happen. That's not a problem. Evil is that which causes harm. And that's, that's where we have the problem. This is where we struggle. Evil is a perversion of good. Now, here's the interesting thing about evil. Uh, It's a corruption of something that already exists. So, you, you have to have good prior to experiencing evil. They, they both have to exist if evil is going to be, if it's real. Uh, in other words, tooth decay only exists if you have a tooth. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how it is. Evil only exists if there's good. Rot in a tree only exists if, if the tree exists. So, Evil only exists if there's a way that things are supposed to be. Now, this is important to understand. It it only exists if there's a way that things are supposed to be. To complain about the problem of evil is to say that there is a way the world is supposed to be. It, it there there is a good there is there is a way it is. Now, the theory of evolution, which is extremely popular in our world, in our culture at least, it says that the world exists by random chance. Just came together, you know, big bang, just happened, uh, everything just happened to line up perfectly. If it's true, if the theory of evolution is true, then how can we say there's a way that things are supposed to be? We, we can't really say that. If, if evolution, if the theory of random chance and, you know, all of that is true, then we cannot say. Our hearts, though, scream that there's a way that things should 
should be. <laughs> There's a way that they're supposed to be. The reality of evil, C.S. Lewis talked about this in a, in a really good book. I don't, we don't have any resources for you, but he wrote a book called The Problem of Pain. He was one of the best thinkers, Christian minds. He was an atheist, agnostic of some kind, and then came to Christ. He wrote a book called The Problem of Pain, one of the best explanations of the answer to this. And um, he, he said that the reality of evil actually requires the existence of God. It, you, you have to have a good God for evil to exist. Rather than disproving God's existence, the existence of a good God, it actually proves it. And so you have to dig into the book. I don't have time to go into that right now. But there are two kinds of evil that impacts our lives. So let's step back. Let's talk about this. First kind is moral evil. And that is harm done by free creatures. This, this is the harm that comes by the choices that, that we make and other creatures in our world make to attack or whatever. Um, God made us with the ability to choose whether or not to do good or to do harm, to do good or evil. And Scripture says we chose it. We're going to look at that in a little bit. But it's interesting to think about this because hunger exists. Now, hunger is is a moral evil. We may not think that. We may think that. The resources of the earth are scarce, and that's why hunger exists. But it actually exists because of moral evil. There is enough food on the planet for everyone to have 3,000 calories a day. And I know by my, 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 uh, my app on my phone that that's more than I need. <laughs> okay. I can exist on about 1980, okay, a day. <laughs> now, whether I do or not, that's another question. But there are enough calories for everybody to have 3,000 a day. But some nations hoard. National leaders are selfish, and they don't really care about their people. And so they, they could do something about it, but they leave them starving. That's, that's why hunger exists. Second kind of evil is natural evil. Earthquakes. We just had a major earthquake in Nepal. Uh, Earthquakes, floods, disease, and we puzzle over these when they happen, maybe even more than moral evil. We get that. People can do wrong, and it hurts. But we puzzle over why, why does God allow this to happen? Why does he just let it go on? And the Bible has a very clear explanation of this, and we're, we're going to dig in uh, right now to it. Here's, here's the, the Bible's perspective on how natural evil can occur, or why it occurs. God had made people, he made people, he made you and I, uh, and he made the first man and woman, and he gave us the responsibility to rule the earth under him. That, that's, that's our place, to steward it well. And the way stewardships work is you have a realm of responsibility and you're you're placed over that realm of responsibility. The person, the person who is over that realm of responsibility is held accountable to how they handle that stewardship by God. And so God makes us. He says, out of all the things that I have made, out of all the creatures, man has this dignity, this nobility, and also the responsibility, therefore the accountability to handle uh, this stewardship in the way that would please me. 
this this person who's handed the stewardship provides an umbrella for everything under them. So they're they're the umbrella. Umbrella of protection is part of their responsibility. And so their choices impact every everything under them. The choices that person makes when God gives you a stewardship impacts everyone. We we experience this as parents and the choices they make bring blessing or or harm to their kids this this is the way it works you know if you have responsibility the choices you make for everything under you everyone under you is impacted by the choice you make god made us rulers of the world under him the bible tells us that the first man and woman rejected god they decided to live life independent of him when mankind rejected God, this introduced natural evil into the world. The creation itself, the scripture says, was subjected to evil. Everything under the umbrella of the man and the woman, everything under his umbrella particularly, suffers for the choice that was made. The Bible says that every one of us has rejected God as well. Following in the steps of the first man and the woman, we've ratified their decision to reject God, to rebel. Jesus stepped into the world the way it is. He, he, he stepped in and he didn't try to sugarcoat anything about it. <laughs> he, he didn't try to explain it away. He didn't try to make it seem better than it is for his followers or anyone else. He very frankly acknowledged the reality of evil. He didn't really think it detracted from who he was or God's existence at all. In fact, in the Lord's Prayer, didn't he say, pray against, pray to be delivered from evil every day. I mean, as we pray, this is to be on our hearts. Pray that God would deliver you. From evil, And actually, one of the facets of that prayer is, pray that I would not be tempted to evil myself. Pray that I could overcome the temptation that I face. And so you're praying against evil and, and also just praying that we wouldn't cave to it, that we wouldn't do it ourselves, because we, we all have this tendency uh, to do harm rather than good. Here's what Jesus said to his closest followers and friends when telling them, he was telling them he's leaving the earth, and as he was doing that, this is what he said. He, he, in this conversation he's having with them, he's describing kind of the work they're going to do. He's going to leave the earth. He's going to go be with the Father. And he begins to describe the kind of work that they're going to do after he's gone. And then he says this. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus isn't sugarcoating anything. Hey, you're going to have trouble. In this world, it is, it is gonna, it is, there are going to be problems, there's going to be evil that you have to deal with. If you follow me, you're still going to have to deal with evil and suffering. But take courage, I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to give you everything you need to handle it here and now. And I have actually overcome evil in the world. And he, he has, and we're going to look at that. But the thing to note now is 
Jesus is God on earth, but he doesn't feel a need to apologize for evil and suffering. He just acknowledges that it exists. He promises to give his followers what they need to overcome it now and bring final victory in the end of history, but it's there. He didn't feel a need to apologize because obviously he knew where evil comes from, and his followers did as well. They they really understood, the, the men he was talking to, these 12 men, they understood the source of evil why it exists in the world. And as we get into Scripture, we can understand it as well. Here's where it comes from. This is where evil comes from. It comes from free choice. That, that's moral evil is the result of free choice. God made us to be free. We have the freedom to choose whether to do what he commands or not. It's impossible to create free creatures who are forced to do the will of God. Impossible. It's kind of like asking the question, can, can God make a boulder big enough that he cannot pick it up? I mean, come on. <laughs> really? That, why would he? he? He wouldn't. You know, that's, that's out. So moral evil is the result of free choice. You cannot make a free creature who is forced to do something. They're not free. He created us so that we could choose to love him. And if we can't choose to hate him, love is empty. It's like a pull-string doll. I mean, they're pretty cool. Pull-string dolls. I love you. You know? <laughs> That's pretty neat, you know, in the 50s when it came out. I don't know when it came out, but it was pretty inventive, I'm sure. Um that's pretty cool, but does it really mean anything? I, you know, it's not a heartfelt "I love you" from the pull string doll. And and so God made us, and He wanted us to be free. Some men and women, uh, or since men and women have chosen to reject God, moral evils entered the world. This is what Scripture says, Romans five twelve. Therefore. Just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sin. So when man chose to disobey God, to rebel against him, the umbrella created holes in the umbrella. Sin entered the world and infected it. That's, that's where it comes from. It infected the natural world as well. We, we were given charge of this world by God. Natural evil is the consequence of mankind's choice. There are holes in the umbrella. Romans 8, 23-22. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of of childbirth until now. So this, this is the state of the world. Uh, it's, it's in bondage to decay. Things are unraveling. It's in the whole earth is under the impact of evil now because of the choice that we made. So that's, that's the biblical explanation of the problem of evil and suffering, where it comes from, why it exists. 
But that's, that's good. I mean, we can understand that. But what's the solution to it? <laughs> what is the solution for us in, in regards to pain and suffering as we deal with it ourselves and as we see it and as we try to work it out intellectually and emotionally in our minds? How do we reconcile evil with a good and loving God? who is good and wants good for us. How, how do we work this out? As long as we're on this earth, evil, pain, and suffering will continue be, to be a reality that stings us. We'll still feel the throbbing of the pain of that. And it hurts. But God has acted on our behalf out of love for us. And that's what we see in, in Jesus. That's what we see in Scripture. God sent Jesus so the weight of the pain of suffering and evil would not crush us we have freedom to try to bear the weight of it all on our own but god wants to help us and if we turn to him he will help he he will help us he gives the help that he promises the good news is that jesus himself is the answer to evil and suffering when when words can't do jesus speaks louder than words look at first peter 2:24 he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Jesus' sacrifice is God's response to evil and suffering in the world. He, he is the answer to sin and the pain and the suffering and the evil that it allowed in the world. I love C.S. Lewis who wrote the book The Problem of Pain. He also wrote The Chronicles of Narnia. And I love the scene where Aslan, who is the the character that represents Christ in the in the story, he dies, and Lucy is in a conversation with Aslan after he resurrects, and Aslan explains when an innocent, willing victim dies on behalf of those who have done evil. Death itself starts working backwards. I love that. I, lo- I love that, you know, that part of the movie. Yeah, yeah, the book. I read the book first. But then in the movie, it's kind of cool. They make the lion talk, and, you know, it's pretty neat. But death starts working backwards. And that's where we're at. Jesus has, has become the answer to pain and suffering. And his death on the cross has begun to work death, our own death, backwards and the impacts of sin backwards. So living in a fallen world is extremely painful. But Jesus' suffering is what brings the healing. Lee Strobel, an author and Christian apologist, said this, God's ultimate answer to our suffering isn't an explanation, it's the incarnation. He, he stepped into our world the way it is. And, and he has done that to bear the brunt of evil and suffering on himself and begin to work death backwards in the impact of sin. We may not be able to get all the answers to evil and suffering, but we can certainly understand enough uh, to gain a sure footing when we're shaken by the struggles that we have if we learn to turn to God in this. Uh, here are five truths. I want to wrap up with five truths 
from the Bible that put evil and suffering in perspective. Things that we need to hold on to. First one, God is not the creator of evil and suffering. He is not the author of evil. In fact, he made the world. You can read in Genesis 1. There's a reference to it on your listening guide. You can read there. He made the world and he saw that it was good. Everything was good. It was all good. Yet for love and relationships to be real, God allowed free choice. This means that we have the freedom to choose to love God and obey God or not. We have the freedom to choose to love others or not. Love always involves a choice. And this is at the heart of why God made people. So he could have this relationship based on love with them if they would so choose. Without a choice to love, it's really not it's not real. It's not love. Evil and suffering came from God's gift of free choice, and God gave this gift fully aware of the potential disaster that it could bring. But it was worth it to him to take the risk. Paul Little said, evil is inherent in the risky gift of free will. This, this is where it comes from, from the free, free choice that people make. I read an article this week. Computers are learning to read emotions. Is that uh, interesting? You know, you turn on your computer at work. You look down today. <laughs> yes, I am kind of down. Well, everything's going to be okay. You know, you look a little worried. It's all going to turn out okay. Now, is that going to help? <laughs> the, I think the businesses are chomping at the bit uh, at this. In fact, I, the article I read about it, businesses are really pumped up about this because if they can read your emotions, then they can send you the correct ad at the right time, and you're just going to hit the button and buy it. But does that really, does it, does it, the fact that, it, you know, a computer, Japan is creating robots that can express emotions and read emotions. Now, if you're struggling with your self-worth, is it going to really help to have a robot, you know, come over and give you a hug? And <laughs> I love you. No, it's not. So God, when he made us, he, he didn't make machines who would just have to spit back to him. I love you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to do what pleases you. He, he made people with flesh and blood who have this, this freedom to choose. It's very dear to all of us. We, we, we love the fact that we're free to choose <laughs> because that's part of who we are. God made us this way. And, and so it's important to remember that God's not the creator of evil and suffering. We, we chose to go the wrong direction. The second truth is, though suffering isn't good, God can use it to accomplish good. It's interesting, and often in interviews that you see on TV, when people are dealing with tragedy, one of the things they always say is, Everything happens for a reason. Just I've just learned everything happens for a reason. And I guess if you're cynical, you think, yeah, that's great, but what's the reason? I need to know. And, and I tend to think sometimes I really hope they know the reason why, why it happens. God shows us the reason in the Bible. And uh, if, if you don't yet know the Lord... This may sound empty. I've experienced this. But 
God promises to take all circumstances, both good and bad, and use them for our good to make us more like him. It's interesting, Peter Kreeft is a philosophy professor. He has, well, he was for a long time at Villanova and uh, Boston College. And he was talking about the death of God on the cross, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross. And he was referring to that, and he used the word deicide, because that's a philosophical kind of word, you know. Uh, death of God on the cross. And this is what he said about it. At the time, nobody saw how anything good could ever result from this tragedy. And yet God foresaw that the result would be the opening of heaven to human beings. So the worst tragedy in history brought about the most glorious event in history. This is, this is what God does. He doesn't. He doesn't remove evil out of our existence because you know what he would have to do is he would have to remove me from the face of the earth and the scripture gives the picture that God is very patient he's waiting as long as possible so that all of us could be born and have the opportunity to turn to him and love him and know him and walk with him so if he were going to wipe evil out on the face of the earth he would have to wipe us all out. He would have to take all the people out of the picture. Or he would have to start over, and that would mean that you and I wouldn't be here. Because our, we all come, it's, it's proven uh, scientifically that we all grow out of one woman. <laughs> we, can, we have one mom. All of us. Everybody on the face of the earth. So say God just decided to wipe start all over you and I wouldn't exist but out of his love for us he waits patiently in the midst of all the mayhem and the chaos and the pain and in the suffering and all the things that go on that don't make sense to us he's waiting so that as many people as possible it talks about this in second Peter as many people as possible would turn to him and get to know him. Because again, he made us to love us. And so that we could love him back. This is what God does. So in all of this, since Jesus rose from the dead, my mom and dad's death and the suffering that at the end that they went through are not the final word. Melissa, as she passed away last year, she came to know Christ here at CIV. Uh, she stepped into eternity in the, in the arms of a loving God who made her and loves her, who welcomed her home. In Jesus' death and resurrection, we see both the love of God and the power of God to make pain and suffering good for us. We know that in all things, Romans 8.28 says, we know that uh, for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. This, this is what God does. A third truth is the day is coming when uh, suffering will cease and God will judge evil. But like I said, he's waiting. He's patient. Like I mentioned earlier, God's promises, he promises to give us what we need in the midst of evil and suffering. There will be a time when God puts an end to evil and suffering. It's when Jesus returns and wraps the, God wraps up history. It hasn't happened yet, but it will happen. 
talks about this in Second Peter. It says the heavens will uh, pass away with a loud noise, the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and the works that are on it will be burned up. And so what sort of persons ought we to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Since, since this is going to happen, God's going to wrap things up someday. He's going to put an end to evil, and he's going to bring in a new heaven and a new earth for those who've chosen, again, for those who've chosen to follow him to enjoy on into eternity. This, this is what's happening. See, what's going on is we're in the middle of the story. Would it be ludicrous to be reading a novel and, you, you know, you're all wrapped up in it and then you just halfway through it, you close it, you don't finish? There's a lot of loose ends. That would that'd drive me crazy sitting here thinking about it. That, that just, you wouldn't do that. Well, that's, the Bible says we're in the middle of the story. Don't close the book. Don't wrap it up. It's not over yet. We're here. And God someday is going to wrap it up, but he's waiting. He's waiting for people to turn to him. That's a choice he's given us. Another truth the Bible provides is that our suffering will pale in comparison to what God has in store for his followers. Romans 8.18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Here on earth, suffering and pain can feel like such a big part of our story. Several chapters long, and we're wondering, when are we going to turn the page and get to the next thing? It really can. Yet, in, in light of eternity, it's just a little piece of the story. It's a little part of the story. We shouldn't close the book before we've lived out the whole story. This passage in Romans describes our present suffering as a blip in time compared to eternity with God, where everything will be made new again, and where it just goes on and on and on. And I, I, I shared this at Melissa's uh, funeral, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Imagine that the first day of your year, say it's any year, it would have to be an imaginary year, but... Imagine that the first day of the year was the worst day of your life. Everything goes wrong. There's pain, suffering, hurt, and you're, you're thinking, wow, this, this year got off to a great start. And then the next 364 days are fantastic. They're just, they're the best days ever. And everything comes together. I love it when a plan comes together. These 346 days, it's just everything's going good. It's just flowing. And life is great. Now, looking back on that year, how would you feel about that year? It was a great year. First day was kind of rough. But, man, the last 364 were fantastic. That's the picture that you see in Scripture here. When we're in eternity and we've lived a thousand years, however long we lived on this earth is just going to be a moment compared to the glory that we've experienced in the new heavens and the new earth that God makes for us. Fifth, we all have to decide whether to turn bitter or to turn to God for peace and courage. And this is what Jesus was telling them, his followers. In closing, now let's look at this promise from Jesus again. John 16, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. 
in the world, you have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. If you get bitter and turn away from God, you are left to deal with all of this on your own. I've seen a major difference for the good with those who turn to him and trust him and rely on him and do not choose bitterness toward him. Uh, There's a major difference. If you turn to Jesus, he promises to give us exactly what he needs in this passage. He promises to give peace for today and courage for the future. That's, that's what he's saying to, to the disciples. I'm going to give you peace for the present right here and now, and I'm going to give you courage to face whatever may come. And as you dig into what Jesus said and the things he taught and the kind of conversation you would have with him over coffee, you discover just that. He gives peace for the moment and courage for the future as you, moment by moment, day by day, trust him to work in you. When you trust Jesus with your life, you will find the peace that you need to deal with the present and the courage to deal with the future. I'd like to wrap up uh, the message and As I do, I'd like to ask the worship team to come back on the stage and the ushers to get ready to prepare to receive the offering. Um, And as we do that, I'd just like to thank you for your generous giving. If you're a guest, we don't want you to feel obligated to give. But uh, just the members and the regular attenders who give so faithfully, we are very grateful for that. Uh, As we wrap up today like to take this time to finish completing any information or next steps that you haven't had an opportunity to do so on your connection card. If you look at the card on the back, there are some next steps that you can take. It's also on your listening guide. Um, And then when the offering comes around, you can drop the card in the basket. That'd be great. Uh, The first step would be to memorize John 16.33. In the world... Uh, You will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I've said these things to you that you may have peace. Um, Another step would be, in my pain, turn to God for peace and courage. You you may be shaking. You may be shaken with suffering right now or some kind of evil that's come against you. In, In your pain, turn to God. It will go better for you as you walk with him through whatever it is you're facing. But that's a step you could take. And then another step would be to show compassion towards someone who is hurting in your life. That, that could be a step you could take as well. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth that we see. We thank you, God, that you love us, just like we are, even though we rebel, even though we have rejected you. You love us and you pursue us and you stepped into our world, Lord Jesus, to bring life. Thank you for the life that you give and the life that you bring. Help us, God, to learn to trust you more and to build our confidence and hope in you. We ask for the help in this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.